Hello, and welcome to this podcast from Consider This. Please let me know what you think and tell others about us on social media. This podcast was originally broadcast live on Northumberland 89.7 FM. You can hear this show live every Friday at noon. Thank you for downloading this program, and I hope you enjoy it. Hello, I'm Robert Washburn, and welcome to Consider This Northumberland, a current affairs program dedicated to the issues facing our community. We talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life in Northumberland County. So I'm asking you, the listener, to take some time out of your busy day to consider this. Back in 2020, just before the pandemic hit, a Coburg developer decided not to demolish a house on University Avenue. Instead, he called Habitat for Humanity Northumberland. Megan McDonald, the executive director, jumped at the chance to get a home it could renovate for a family in need. But before anything could be done, the pandemic hit hard. Suddenly, she was scrambling to figure out all the protocols and what could be done to save the house. The story of this house is one of overcoming challenges, resilience, and immense joy. Later today, a family of five will take the keys and move into their new home in Butley. Here is this amazing journey. I'm so pleased to have with me today, Megan McDonald, Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity Northumberland. Welcome back to Consider This. Thank you, Robert. Later today, Habitat for Humanity Northumberland will dedicate its first home in Hamilton Township. This house and the family that will be living there are really interesting stories. So let's start with the story of this house. Take us back to the beginning and tell us about the summer of 2020 and how you found out about this building. Yeah, so um, so the story of the house, actually, I'm going to go back even further, if that's okay with you, Robert. I'm going to go back to 2018 when Hamilton Township actually donated the piece of land to us. Um, and so when we started to kind of prep for the dedication and we looked back and realized, you know, we've all lost kind of two years over the pandemic. So you kind of forget, but we went back and we realized we actually broke ground on this piece of land on World Habitat Day in 2018, which is astounding. Um, and at that point, we were planning to build a new house on this property. And then, um, and then, you know, 2019, it wasn't a project we were planning to pursue. We were planning to start in 2020. And then 2020 happened. Um, March 2020 happened. And um, what was really cool is I can't remember exactly when. I think it was in the winter of, of 2020. So probably before the pandemic started. Uh, Balder Corporation approached us and said, would you take a house? Um, and uh, I don't know if everyone knows, but Balder Corporation is currently building an, an 80 plus unit apartment building at the bottom of university, like on the west end of University Avenue in Coburg. And to get that land, they had consolidated, um, they had purchased a, a bunch of different pieces of land, uh, some of which had some really old buildings on it, but one of which had this house. And before they demolished it and, and you know, sent it to landfill, they said, would you guys consider taking it and moving it? And so we took a look at it and said, yeah, it's a great little house. And so we were able to 
uh, in the summer of 2020, pick it up, drive it, and park it for a while. So I, I yeah. What logistical challenges were there that you had to overcome to move this house in the midst of a serious pandemic? <laughs> I remember sitting on my back deck with my six-year-old at the time, because he wasn't in school, calling all the different offices to try and get the moving permits to be able to move this house. And everyone's working virtually. And, you know, how do you send in forms? Because we were still figuring out how to basically conduct business. Because by the time we moved the house, which was in um, uh, June or July, it, they're all the same, apparently. I can't remember. But by the time we moved it, um, things had started to open up a little bit from that first lockdown, but but the world was still trying to figure out, okay, how do we operate while managing this, right? So it, that was a unique challenge, was even just getting all the permits and everything in place to be able to do it. And I also remember we just, we wanted to have a, a groundbreak or a ceremony where we watched the house go. And that was our first in-person event before, like since, since everything had shut down. And so I remember being like, everyone needs masks. And at that point, masks were still just things you were starting to secure. And how close can we stand to each other? And it, like, just even the logistics of all of that, how many media, how many people can we have out? Is there a 10 person limit? So the whole thing was bizarre. And I should add to that too. It's impressive that we got there because um, there was a timeline to get the house gone, right? Because because um, Balder Corporation needed to start construction on the building. And we actually laid off all of our staff from April, from March, like March 15th or whenever it was, um, till the beginning of May. So, so we pulled all of this off in, you know, getting ready to move this house and organizing it. And we had laid our staff off for two months in there too. So it's just astounding when I think back that A, we did it and uh, B, that we're on the other end of it. The building was moved to a, a place on County Road 28 for a period of time. What happened after it was stored there? Yeah. So first of all, huge shout out to Northumberland County Moving Corporation um, for letting us store. Because I will tell you, that was one of my favorite calls, making once again on my back deck where I called them and said, any chance you'd let me store a house on your property <laughs> and uh, they said yes which we are incredibly uh, appreciative of so we um so after that we uh, I think it sat there for a couple months um just because we had to get the foundation in place in Beaudley um on the lot uh and that does take some time and and it's much easier to place the house uh once the foundation is in I mean it can be done but it's not pretty so we really appreciated that so then it uh in the winter of 2020, or sorry, in the in the fall, uh, the house kind of made its way on its second part of its journey and uh, was placed down on the foundation and we rebuilt the roof. I remember our construction team uh, putting up trusses in December uh, to get it closed in for the winter. And then, uh, then over 2021, we finished some projects that we had going here in Coburg. And then basically from August till now, the team has been uh, bouncing between that house and another one we relocated here in Coburg to renovate it, uh, make it a beautiful new home. So you were mentioning the renovations that had to be done. 
Now, there must have been some unique challenges because we've had all of these rules and regulations, the limits on the number of people, physical distancing, all these other challenges that have been going on. Talk a bit about the renovations that you've been doing since August. How has all that worked? Yeah, um, it's, it's, it's been a challenge. So the year before we, were we figured out how to build a house with um, basically two people. Uh, because we, you know, with capacity limits and everything in 2020, we, we worked on a project and we had basically two staff members building. Then, um, you know, as things started to open up over the, over the winter or fall of 2020, we were able to bring back some volunteers, which is fabulous. We figured out how to do social distancing at like, or physical distancing and masking on site, um, and contractors and sort of got into that groove. And then, uh, you know, and so then we went through the winter or sorry, all of 2021 and we, we kind of figured it out, but the problem was these capacity limits, right? We were really trying to keep it so that we didn't have more than five volunteers or five contractors or five people on site. And then Omicron hit. <laughs> and so just as we were getting ready to kind of be in the final stages of this, we had all this additional anxiety about, about Omicron and um, the transmissibility of it. And, you know, cause we at that point hadn't gotten huge. I mean, our progress has been slower than we'd like to because we've kept our teams really small, but then we were like, well, if, if all of a sudden, you know, we had some pretty hard deadlines to get these houses done. And all of a sudden, if, if Omicron goes through our entire construction team, you know, we have families that may not get in on time and they've given notice. So it was, there was a lot of anxiety I'd say over the winter, um, kind of going into Christmas, but, but what's really incredible is um, we, like, we've been able to get through it. Our team has stayed healthy. Uh, uh, our volunteers have continued to come out. And it's really been uh, you know, strict protocols uh, and just being patient with each other and knowing that this process took longer than we're used to. Because A, renovations always take longer because you're adapting to something that's already there. And B, because we just couldn't have the type of... Um, human power that we're used to when Habitat kind of builds a house or renovates a house. And what about suppliers? A lot of businesses have struggled during the pandemic. How hard was it to get the materials for the renovations? And what about the associated costs? Yeah, we, we are lucky. We didn't feel it as much as I know others um, builders did, partly because we were working with an existing product. So when, you know, when lumber and two by fours went up as much as they did, we felt it, but because we were working, like, because we, the frame's already there, we didn't feel it in the same way. So, so we felt the increased cost, but not to the degree that we probably would have if we'd been building new. Um, we have had some supply challenges. I definitely know that. Uh, we have incredible partners in this community that work with us and have worked with our team through it. And sometimes it was timing too, right? Like sometimes you just say, you know what? We're not going to build that deck yet because at that price per board, we can't. We'll just, that will come, we'll see. So it's probably also had, it's made our construction team have to alter a little bit the timing of when they do things. Has Habitat done renovations to an existing building before? What's really cool about Habitat for Humanity Northumberland, this affiliate, is renovation is, the, is actually in our core. So a lot of Habitats, when they started, would go find a piece of land and build a house. When Habitat for Humanity in Northumberland and the original board of directors created this, like started this organization, they, they secured 
from the in partnership with the town and a whole bunch of other partners, 32 lots on which there were 24 houses. And so our first project, our first 20 plus projects were renovations of the existing PMQ, uh, uh, PMQs from the military base. So we've done, so we never, I kind of have always looked at building new versus renovating as the exact same because it's always been part of our program. So not only have we done those ones, but we've already, this is the third, uh, the two houses that we, we have just are finishing that we relocated are the third and fourth ones we've done. We've done two already in Brighton. And on University Avenue here in Coburg, we bought a house from Trinity United Church and renovated that and then built additional units on the back. So creative housing, creative approaches to, cre uh, to developing affordable housing has sort of been in the lifeblood of this affiliate. And it's one of the things that makes me the most uh, proud and excited to be part of it is because often the question isn't no, or sorry, the answer isn't no, it's the, we, I often get a question back, why can't we do that, right? Like, why can't we? Can we do that? Maybe we can, so. Can you share with us a bit about the Atkinson Harris family who are going to be moving in today? Yeah, we are really excited to be turning over the keys to, to Mike and Amber and their three children. Um, they have been on the wait list for a while. Um, and that's, I would say that's fair of most of our, of the families, the pandemic really did. Like they really, they had to bear waiting a lot longer than we would have liked uh, because of all the delays and the uncertainty. So uh, they have been working away their hours. They've been done for a couple months. And I think they're just really excited to, to turn this house which has already been rejuvenated. You know, it was someone else's home before. It's been brought to a new place. It's been given a new feel. It's been given a new vibe. And now it becomes their home. How long are people having to wait now for, for a home from Habitat? What's your waiting list like and what's your timelines like? Um, it's a hard question to answer because we actually haven't been actively taking applications for a while because a couple of years ago we got to the point where we had a three-year wait list and the problem with a three-year wait list for affordable home ownership is there's a lot of things that can change in someone's ability to qualify for purchasing a home in that time period and so what we realized was approving someone and then saying you're approved for habitat house for three to four years down the road there's a lot of, of things that can happen you know take away a pandemic there's a lot of things that can happen that can impact their ability to qualify for that in that time period. So we've taken a different approach. So we kind of stopped taking applications for a while. Um, and so now what we're doing is we're, we're creating a, a different process so that when people kind of come on, they're getting pre-approved, but it's when we have projects that we know are coming. So right now we do have about four families from that that are still on our wait list who've been waiting two to three years. Um, but we're trying to change that so that people aren't sitting waiting for a long period of time that we sort of open up our application when it's time. I think the more important thing is there's such a need. Uh, and so when we open up applications, there will be more than we can serve uh, with the projects we have coming because there is such a need for affordable housing and affordable home ownership. Is this family from Hamilton Township? Uh, yes, they are currently living in that area. And so uh, when we went, 
when we actually went to the township to ask for a piece of land, it was with, with this family in mind. Um, because there are five people, we knew they needed a slightly larger space than some of the other things we were building. So the opportunity to get uh, a piece of land where we could put a single detached home um, and, uh, and near their network and their family was, was a really big reason why we went to the township asking for the piece of land. When you drive around the rural areas of Northumberland, affordability and homelessness are not two topics that would jump to your mind necessarily. I'd like to talk a little bit about this because what does it mean to ha for Habitat to build in a hamlet like Butley as compared to say a larger urban center like Coburg or Port Hope or Brighton or Campbellford? Well, I mean, um, their affordable, affordable housing need is across our county. Um, and even though Habitat doesn't work with families that are experiencing homelessness or, you know, that are, you know, we're tending to move people out of rental housing situations that are unaffordable, especially in rural communities, the scope of the problem is invisible, right? Because you will see, you know, in, um, especially when, you, when you're talking about people experiencing homelessness, often it's couch surfing or it's precarious housing or at risk of housing. So it's not as visible as in an urban center, which is like Coburg or even larger urban centers like Toronto. So that's always been a, a struggle that rural communities have faced is that people think that there isn't housing instability because they don't see it. However, um, there's a couple different ways that you see it when you drive around rural areas. And I'd say one of them is, is also in our existing housing stock, right? In our rural areas, you will see a lot of housing stock that is um, in need of critical repairs or in need of much needed repairs. Uh, and, and that sort of, to me, is always kind of a highlight of the fact that, that either people are in ownership and don't have the means to be able to maintain it, which is a whole other element of affordable ownership and, and affordable housing, or potentially their rental units that are not being maintained, which would put that person in core housing need because they're living in unsuitable conditions. So that's sort of, it's invisible in the way that we see it in urban areas, but you can often see it in the housing stock as well. Now, Hamilton Township has been very progressive in being able to offer the land and, and taking on and encouraging a habitat to come out and to build in Butley. What are you finding with the other mainly rural municipalities within Northumberland? What's the relationship like between Habitat and those municipalities? And are you being encouraged to, to take on projects within these municipalities, these non-urban areas? Yeah, so I would say any, any sort of any delay in us taking or anywhere where we're not building right now is mostly due to the fact that we may not have approached that municipality because we don't have a family uh, or we don't, you know, we haven't that there isn't a project that's highlighted for us yet, especially in the rural areas. We will often go to the municipality um, if there is a family or several families from that area that that have expressed an interest. So, for example, we're about to build um, our second home in in um, <coughs> sorry, in the municipality of Trent Hills, um, and it's only our second since since we began. Our first one was in 2004 in Workworth. And this year we're gonna be doing a project in Hastings in the village of Hastings. But really we went to the municipality for that piece of land um, because a family came forward that, that was from the area and wanted to stay in the area. So I think 
Um, we have great partnerships with uh, all of the municipalities. We've built in every single one, but I'd say for the rural municipalities, it's definitely um, when, when the need comes forward that we tend to approach them and work with them to, to help address that need. So then when you're looking at affordable housing, when it comes to these rural areas, what types of solutions are you looking at in Northumberland? In other words, are, is it more about renovating existing? You've mentioned a little bit about repairing, and I, I know there are programs that do that as well. Can you talk about the mix of tools that you're now applying to these rural areas to help people find housing in this sort of different milieu than compared to you know, the larger urban centers where the projects are very clearly cut and you, know, you see it and it's quite different? Yeah, so, so for the last couple of years, we've offered critical repairs in a bunch of different um, programs, and it's called our home repair suite. And I would say that is where we have done the most outreach and support for rural communities. Um, and I would say most of the projects that we're approving or, or supporting through all those different programs, I mean, and those programs are, some of them are habitat programs. One of them is a, a, a provincial program that we deliver on behalf of Northumberland County. The demographics or the areas people are coming from is mostly our rural settings. And as I said, that's, I think that's a lot because um, people could afford, it's, it's, it's not as much now, but people historically could afford rural uh, housing, could afford to purchase housing in rural areas, but the upkeep is also a lot, right? Um, if you're on a private water, private well or private septic system, replacing those is quite expensive. And if, and if you are economically vulnerable, that can be a challenge. And so I'd say that's a lot of our outreach into those rural communities historically, but I would say we're having to look at, uh, we are having to look at, you know, the cost of, of not only building, but also finding land in the urban centers and, um, and then the cost of the fair market value of the houses that are coming back is also making us having to look at how we can build uh, affordable housing, maybe, in areas that as well, like um, Hamilton Township, or some of these slightly lower density where we can, it's still affordable. So, so we're really kind of at this turning point right now where we're trying to figure out where do we go? Um, and where, where can we focus and have sort of our, our investment have the biggest return for the number of houses uh, that we're able or units that we're able to, to build or renovate. What do you see elsewhere that is interesting when it comes to rural affordable housing? As I look around the sort of the country with my other habitat partners, um, some, some of what I'm seeing are other habitat affiliates is a lot of partnership. And so habitat taking on, habitat facilitating um, in these rural areas, uh, some of the construction of homes, but not necessarily the operation of the mortgage or um, or those kinds of uh, partnerships. So, so recognizing that what Habitat can also bring to the table sometimes is a volunteer base and the ability to build a house, but not necessarily, you know, then maybe another agency purchases it and uses that house as a rental or as, or as second stage housing or, or whatever it is. So I'm sort of looking at, I'm, I'm seeing a lot more of those kinds of partnerships in some of the rural areas to help um, facilitate more housing. So even if it isn't appropriate where habit, a habit, like a habitat owned house would fit, 
maybe Habitat can facilitate the creation of more units. What's next for Habitat? Well, it's that's the, that is a very big question right now, Robert, because our board is actually just finishing their strategic planning process for the next couple of years. So, so we kind of had a, a benefit in the sense that as we kind of we're coming through the pandemic and, and sort of coming on the other end, we also, our, our current strategic plan was, was uh, coming to an end. So we've been able to take a moment and really think about that. So I don't have the answer yet. We're, we're still trying to figure that out. I can tell you that in 2022, what's next for Habitat is, um, as I said, our project in Hastings. And we, um, we purchased back two houses here in Coburg uh, from Habitat families. So we're actually, uh, rejuvenating those for a couple more families and um, and finishing off the houses that we're dedicating today and the one that we're dedicating next Friday and running our home repair programs. And uh, so it's sort of this year is, is kind of finishing everything we started over the last two years of the pandemic and figuring out what's our next big project. Megan McDonald, I want to thank you so much for talking to me today. Thank you so much, Robert. I really appreciate it. That was Megan McDonald, Executive Director of Habitat for Humanity Northumberland. I want to thank my guests this week for talking to me, and I want to thank all the listeners for tuning in today. Please join me again next week when we will talk to the people on the front lines and those behind the scenes who make a difference in your life and Northumberland County. So please tune in. If you would like to listen or share this or any podcast, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. There you will find past podcasts, news, and other information about life and politics in Northumberland County. Or you can go to the radio station's website at northumberland897.ca. I'm Robert Washburn. Thanks for taking time out of your day to listen in, and I hope over the week you will continue to consider this. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Consider This. If you have any comments or would like to suggest a story, please contact me at considerthisnorthumberland at gmail.com or you can message me on Facebook at Consider This. If you enjoyed this podcast or are looking for more news and information about Northumberland County, please check out my website at consider-this.ca. That's consider-this.ca. And don't forget to share. And again, thank you for listening, and stay tuned for more from Consider This.